here, and there are two things I want us to do as we close this year. Two things. And today, more than a preaching or sermon, I just want to give some tips and some advice that I myself and my family will be putting to practice. But before I say that, I just want to say that God is... God wants us this Sunday to do two things. One, to reflect. And two, to resolve. To reflect and to resolve. Now, the good thing about the God that we serve is that the God that we serve operates in a different sphere than we do. When we reflect, we reflect based on the past. When we resolve, or make resolutions is based on the future. But both of those realities, reflecting or resolving, has to deal with where you are in your present right now. So from your present, I reflect. From your present, I resolve. So who I want to be is based on who I am today. How grateful I am in my now is based on what I went through yesterday. And the good thing about this is, is that when we, we look at this and we see in whose hands we are in, it fills our hearts with joy to know that the God we serve does not operate within time. But the God that we serve is an eternal God who lives, check this out, in an eternal present. Which means that your yesterday is God's today. Your today is God's today. And your tomorrow is God's today. So in God's eternal present, he has this thing called time. And in this thing called time, he has you in it. So in his hand, he has time. And he can see time, yesterday, today, tomorrow, at the same time, because he's looking at time outside of time into time. And as he's looking at you, he sees you living out your present, thinking about your past, but also thinking about your future. And from this perspective, he says, I got you. Now, this is important for us to understand because as we understand where God is and how he functions and his realm of operation, and then we take that in the context of where we are in our time, our confidence can be this. If my life is in God's hands, and God, and God is from an eternal perspective, and he can see where I'm going to be before I am. Well, I'm going to rest in his hands and be able to reflect what God has allowed me to live. How am I living today? And walking towards where God wants me to be, understanding what the Bible says, that my times are in the hands of the Lord. 
So I want us to reflect from that perspective. I want you to reflect from the perspective that everything you've been through, you are in God's hands. And God knew you was going to go through it before you went through it. I want you to reflect on that. Because once you start reflecting everything you've been through, good, bad, and ugly, understanding that all the bad things you went through was in God's hands. And God saw everything you was going to go through before you went through it. And in spite of it, he allowed you to happen. And don't get it twisted. While you're still thinking about the past and the things you went through, he's still looking at your present, seeing your tomorrow, and says, Papa, but you're still in my hands. And so my reflecting, your reflecting today, has got to stem out of us understanding that our lives are in God's hands. For some of us, 2019 has been a great year. Matter of fact, the theme for this year for us was more. More. But let me submit to you that for some of us, we've had more blessings, but we've also had more struggles. We've had more victories, but we've also had more challenges. Some of us, somewhere throughout the course of our year, We've experienced one of the most hardest moments in our lives. I personally, as a family, my, my family, my brothers, my sisters, my brother-in-law in New York, several surge operations, heart attack. Uh, he, you know, he had, he had a, he, several, several strokes. Half of his body's paralyzed. While we are declaring more, this happens. My other brother, had just recently had surgery. My sister, a couple of weeks ago, car accident, car total, she's hospitalized. And others in my family, hardships and challenges and crisis. So the question is, God, if, why did you allow this to happen? Why? Others lost jobs. Others Lost loved ones. Just, just this past Sunday, a member of our Spanish church, her brother died. She texted me. I'm texting you, Pastor, right now. My brother just died right now. It was 830 at night. And she showed up this morning for service. It's been a great year. It's been a, it's been a good year, but it's been a rough year. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to reflect. I want us to retrospect. I want us to make an internal analysis of everything we've been through, understanding that our lives are in the hands of God. Because when we see it from that perspective, we can understand what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 when he says, all things work together for the good of them that love them to those who know that are called according to his purpose. So let's reflect. Let's reflect on what God has done. Psalms chapter 77, verse 11 and 12 says, King David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. He says, I'm going to remember the deeds of the Lord. I, I can spend my life remembering on how Saul tried to kill me. I can spend the rest of my life remembering how people backstab me. But in the middle of the betrayal, 
Which, by the way, there was a moment in David's life that he was so fearful of his life from King Saul that he went into the Philistine camp, which was the enemy of David, and he began to act like a lunatic, spinning out of his mouth, acting like an animal, because Saul was trying to kill him. And in that scenario, being in the enemy's camp, you know what David experienced? He experienced the favor and the grace and the arm of the Lord in his worst moments. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. He is, he is, he is sitting in his throne. And while he's in his throne, he's thinking how God delivered me back in the days. When I fought a Goliath. When I defeated a lion. When I defeated a bear. When I defeated my, my little giants. He says, before I can tell you about the big victory, I remember the wonders of old. I will ponder all your work. I like that phrase. All your work. And there there's room for all that God has allowed to work in your life. Whether it's negative. Whether it's positive. Whether it has made you cry. Whether it has made you laugh. He says, I will ponder all your work and meditate in your mighty deeds. So church, taking time to remember what God has done over a whole year is good for our soul. It's good for our spirits. And when we tend to forget the many mercies that fill our day, listen to me, we're setting ourselves to be people who are ungrateful. When you don't take time to remember and think how God has provided and made a way for you, we become ungrateful people, church. And many people tend to forget the mercies of the Lord. Even in the midst of your crisis. But we found that preparing our lists helps us to bring back our thoughts. That's why I'm big, I'm, I'm big, I'm, I'm big on lists. I'm big on writing everything down. The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain, that all that see it may run with it. I'm big on writing everything. And so it's important that as we get close to the new year, that you start writing. Writing all the things that God has done. Write down all the peaks and all the valleys and all the mountains and all the storms and all the deserts that you've been through this past year. So why? So that during that journey, you can see the opportunity that God afforded us to have through his goodness. And by doing that, we remind each other of the mercies we had from God over our lives. Listen to me, church. I'm going to ask you today 10 questions as you reflect. 10 questions. I want you to ask yourself these 10 questions. And if you want to take a picture of the screen, you go ahead and do that. Number one. What's the one thing you can do in 2020 to increase your enjoyment or your joy in the Lord? Some of us, we've been living this year happy. But we don't know what the joy of the Lord is. And we're happy when things happen. But let me submit to you, the joy of the Lord doesn't, has nothing to do with what happens. The joy of the Lord has to deal with your character. Because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Somebody say joy. Joy is not an experience. Joy is a character transformation. The fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, self-control, and, and there's, a whole, there's like six, three, four more. So when we talk about joy, my question to you is, what thing can you do to increase your joy in God? What can you do to increase your joy in God? To be able to be content. Like Paul said, I've learned to be content regardless of my situation. And then he says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what one thing could you do this year that's coming to increase your enjoyment in the Lord? Question number two. What's the most humanely impossible thing you will ask God to do in 2020? I believe we serve a big God. And I believe that big God, a big God could do big things. And I don't know what you believe in God to do bigger than you, but let me tell you, when you start believing God for bigger things, bigger than you, you're actually giving yourself an opportunity to exercise your faith so that your faith can grow from one dimension to the next. So why is humanly impossible for you to do on your own that you will make it your business to ask God to work out in your life? For, that, for some of us, it could be our marriage. For some of us, it could be Lord, my character, I can't change who I am. For others, it may be a relationship that has been severed. Lord, allow me to rekindle, to revive, to restore this relationship. For others, may be my personal walk with the Lord. Lord, I'm trying to overcome sin. I'm trying to overcome temptation. I'm trying to overcome all these things, Lord. But with your help, Lord, I can't do it in my humanity. But, Lord, in my weakness, I'm asking you, God, to give me the strength to overcome it with your will and with your purpose and by your power. Number three, what's the single most important thing you could do to improve the quality of your family life? I want you to evaluate your life as a family unit, whether you're married or divorced, whether you're a single parent. And I want you to ask yourself as we get close to 2020, what can I do to improve the quality of my family? Because let me tell you, you can't, you can't buy everything with money. You can't solve everything with finances. How can I better the quality of my marriage in 2020? How can I better the quality of my relationship with my children in 2020? How can I better the, the quality of relationship with my sibling? Or am I going to be angry at my brother and my sister for the next 10 years? Or am I not going to talk to my mom or my stepdad the next decade? How am I going to better the quality of my life? Because John said this, the apostle John said this, he who says who loves the Lord and hates his brother is a liar. Because how can you love God who you've never seen and you can't stand your brother who you see every day? How are you going to better your quality of family life? And I'm talking relationally. Now, how are you going to better the quality of family life financially? Are you going to spend everything you make? Are you going to keep your family broke because you want the newest pair of sneakers? Or the newest rims that came out? Or How are you going to better the quality of life in your family? No, Pastor, I got to do French manicures. Then I got to do Puerto Rican manicures. Then I got to do Dominican manicures. You got to better the quality of your life. Understand, your life is in God's hands. 
In God's hands, you have what it takes to be successful. In God's hands, you have what it takes to have a good quality of living. Number four, what, in which spiritual discipline do you most want to make progress next year? And what will you do about it? Spirituality doesn't come overnight. Spirituality is not based on a, a prayer. I receive Jesus in my heart. Save me. Watch me. Bling. No. Spirituality requires discipline. Discipline. Which, by the way, discipline is the root word of the word disciple. That's where the church has a lot of Christians, very poor disciples. Because anybody could be a Christian. What is it to be a Christian? A follower of Christ. To be a disciple is to be disciplined by Christ. What discipline do you most want to make to progress next year? And then once you figure that out, then what steps are you and I going to make and take towards that discipline? And for us, some of us, it may be we have to cut some things. And close some doors. And disconnect with some people. And close some chapters. Number five. What is the single biggest time waster in your life? And what will you do about it in 2020? What this year has consumed you the most? Has wasted your time the most this year? Well, Pastor, how do I figure that out? Oh, that's easy. I could tell you how you can figure that out. Easy. Go to your bank account. See what you spend the most of your money on, because whatever you spend the most of your money on, that's what you have consumed the most. Let me ask you another, let me put it another way. You younger folk. Seven, eight hours on PS2, 2K10, 2K20. You spend, you spend seven of the 24 hours playing, playing games. Wasting your time. Oh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Schiff, L. Wright. <laughs> Call of Duty. If you were to spend half of the time you spend on Call of Duty and basketball and you focus it on getting an associate's degree, you'd be graduated by now. And there's nothing wrong with playing Call of Duty and playing, but, but when, when you're wasting your time, because let me tell you, let me tell you, you could, lose, you could lose $10 today and find it and get it tomorrow. This time we have here right now, you're never going to get it back. Time is the most expensive asset we have because it never comes back again. So you have to value time. Value. Because you know what? Today you're 20. Tomorrow you're going to be 35. And if you waste your time, 
complain and, and carrying on and doing the things you're doing, you know what's going to happen? You're going to regret. So what's the biggest time waster you had this year? How many hours you put on your social media? How many hours you put on gaming? How many hours you put on whatever it is that you did? And what will you do about it in 2020 to change, to maximize your greatest gift that God gave you, which is time? Number six. What is the most helpful new way you could strengthen the church? Some of us, we've been a part of this church since day one. Some of us, we've been part of this church three years, two years. Some of you, some of you guys just joined. The, my question to you is, how can you in this church strengthen the church? In your service. And be part of a hope group. And buying into the vision of the church. How can you help New Birth become a stronger church? How can you help New Birth become a place of hope to the hopeless and to the hurting? That's a good question. How can you help this church be better because of you? Number seven. This is big to me. For whose salvation will you pray most fervently in 2020? Every single one of us in this church should make it our business that next year God's going to use us to win at least one person for Jesus. One person. One person. I cannot have good news and not share it. I cannot have a saving God and not share it to the world. So how can I, this year, how am I going to pray for the salvation of someone I know doesn't have Jesus in their heart? How am I going to do that? Number eight. What's the most important way you will, by God's grace, try to make 2020 different from this year? What do you need to change? What do I need to change? It may be your character. I may need to change my character in 2020. I may need to change my attitude in 2020. I may need to change the way I balance my time in 2020. Number nine, what one thing you could do to improve your prayer life in 2020? I'll give you one. Come on January, it's every Monday. Let's start, let's start with that. Let me say this. This is, I believe this wholeheartedly, and I don't care what nobody says. If you don't pray, you don't know Jesus. I didn't say you don't have Jesus. You don't know him. Because there are children who don't know their fathers and fathers don't know their children. If you do not pray, you do not know Jesus. Because we know Jesus through communication with him. And prayer is the means God uses and gives us to talk, to communicate, to have a relationship with the father through Jesus Christ. So how can you improve your prayer life? And I'm not talking about eating before you eat your food, praying before you eat. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep, praise the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, that don't count. I'm talking about praying. That you can strengthen your walk in God through prayer. Number 10. What single thing that you plan to do in 2020 will matter most in 10 years or in eternity? What am I going to do next year that's going to have an impact the next 10 years of my life? What am I going to do tomorrow, 2020? That 10 years from 2020, when I look back, 
from 2030 back in 2020 and say, I've been better because of this decision I made 10 years ago. My family is better because 2020, I purpose to do this, to be a better man, to be a better Christian, to be a better citizen, to be a better person, to be a man of God. What can I do next year, 2020, that will have an impact 10 years from now and even into eternity? So we have to reflect, but we also have to resolve. So I ask you, what are you going to do? What plans do you have? Let me just say this. Most New Year's resolutions <laughs> have something to do with losing, losing weight. I, listen, I could bet you my bottom dollar that everybody in this room, at one point, at one year in their lives, they resolved, I'm going to lose some pounds. <laughs> I'm going to the gym. Some of y'all applied for, what are those gyms? L.A. Fitness and peer fitness and, and you have a whole year subscription and you only went to the gym the day you signed up. And now you got this monthly payment. Because <laughs> most New Year's resolutions have something to do with losing pounds or others getting a budget, I'm going to save this year, or making our community or communities a better place to live. And those resolutions may be good, they may be good, but we as Christians should not stop at those resolutions. There's nothing wrong with losing weight. I myself, trust me when I tell you, I need to lose some weight. I got some suits that every time I open the closet, they mock me. <laughs> I can't wear them because they don't fit. So I got resolutions. I got personal resolutions, financial resolutions. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's been a while since, but, you know, I don't want to live check to check. I mean, I thank God that I'm not there today, but, but I don't want to live check to check. Those are resolutions I got to make. I don't, I don't want to be living life this way. So I have to make changes. But I need to understand that these resolutions, they're good, but as a Christian, they can't stop. I, I can't make the same resolution and leave it at that realm because I have to remember that as a Christian, there's a greater demand than just taking care of the body. Look what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Look what he says. He says, while the bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in Every way as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Paul is saying, hey, work out the body. Yeah, the body is the time of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, go to the gym. But, but aside from that, there's another aspect of you being able to be responsible in training and equipping. And that is the things of value in the heavenlies. Listen to me. The godliness. Because those things have an impact, not only in your today, but they have an impact in the life to come. So I can't just have, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year and give God glory for that. Give God glory for your 10 pounds in Jesus' name. But I'm asking you today, there's something else. There's a value. There's godliness in the things of the promise. So we need to have, ask God, Lord, give me perspective from where I am in your hands. 
Our resolution should primarily center on growing in godliness, not just reducing our size, our weight size. Our resolution should be growing and being people of God. That this year, sin can't be an alternative. That this year, fornication cannot be an Listen, fornication is a sin and fornication is of the devil. And the Bible says that the fornicators will not make it to the kingdom of heaven. If you're not married, you should not be having sex with nobody. Sex outside of marriage is illegal. The only way sex is legal is through a husband and a wife. So if you're shacking and you're sleeping around, talk about, talk about, ain't nothing wrong with it. Let me tell you, you got to close that door. Close it, put a bolt in it. Listen, if you're in an environment and everywhere, every time you're in that environment, they push you to smoke pot and do drugs, close that door. Close that door. If you're in an environment where it pushes you to be unfaithful to your spouse, you don't need the Holy Spirit to come in an angel and tell you three things. No, close the door. Close the door. That this year you could purpose in your life to be godly, to be godly, to be pious. Not just focusing, oh, Pastor, I lost 20 pounds, but you're in sin. Pastor, look, look at my biceps. Yeah, I, I got that. But let's be godly. The Bible says, he who is holy, be holier even still. You got to be holy, y'all. So let's resolve that this year. So here are some things you should consider to resolve in 2020. I'll give you three and then I'll close it. Number one, resolve never to do anything out of revenge. Some people are so bitter in life because they have a, a vengeful spirit. We need to let God fight our battle. You know what the Bible says in Romans 12, 21? The Bible says in Romans 12, 21, it says this. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The verses that precede that verse is this one. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. The way he says, how do I overcome evil? Verse 21. How do I overcome evil with good? By letting God be my vindicator. By letting God fight my battles. You'd be surprised how when you, when you do away with a spirit of vengeance and you put that in the hands of God and you let God fight your battles, you can be able to forgive those that hurt you wrong. You can do good to those that did you evil. You can be peaceful to those that had caused you pain. And that's how good overcomes evil when you let God fight your battles. But don't do nothing out of revenge. Revenge is not of God. So resolve to do that this year. Resolve to never do anything out of revenge. Number two, resolve to endeavor the joy of the Lord every day. The joy of the Lord. Number three, resolve to strive to live a higher to live higher in your faith and to a higher exercise of grace than you were a week ago entering in 2020. Now understand this. Whatever your resolutions are, whatever you purpose to do, know this, and I'm closing. Know this, that none of your resolutions will make you better, will make you more righteous. 
Our righteousness does not come by resolving things. Our righteousness does not come by doing things. God will not love you more because you make it to the gym more often. God will not love you more because you finish reading your Bible in a year. God will not love you more or less because of how many people you witness to them about Jesus Christ. God won't love you more if you fast twice a week. God will not love you more if you cast out 2.3 devils every week. God ain't going to love you more. But we should resolve to grow in practical righteousness. But we must not look to our resolution keeping for positional righteousness. Our righteousness is found in the one who resolved to die on the cross for sinners. Who failed at their resolutions towards self-improvement. Our justification is found where? Only in a resurrected Savior who clothes us with his righteousness. So let my righteousness be Christ. Rest in the righteousness Christ gives us. How? Through faith and not in any kind of righteousness we resolve or achieve with our hands and with our actions. So church, as we enter in 2020, let us be a people who remember, reflect, and resolve with the hope that God will deepen our love for Christ and guard us from drifting from his perfect ways over our lives. As we enter into 2020, remember whose hands we are on. As we reflect where we, what we've done, as we position ourselves where we are, and as we plan where we want to be, always be mindful, I'm in God's hands. His eyes are on the sparrow, and he's watching me. So I will plan my future with God being in my present. I will plan my tomorrow knowing that God is with me. I will resolve to deal with my neighbor and my past because God is with me. And when you have that perspective, your past could become an instrument to catapult you to your future. And your future could be an encouragement in your present. Knowing that all things work together to the good of them that love the Lord. So as I close, I, want, I would like for every eye to be closed and every head to be bowed.